Visionary of Impact Church of Tampa, Florida, a growing and thriving ministry located right there in the heart and right off of Clearwater Beach. Ooh, I'm jealous. But there's no place like home. Let me, let me straighten that out. There's no place like home. In addition to his teaching ministry and general oversight of the ministry's operations, he's also director of I, uh, Impact Church's Men of Valor Ministry, a fellowship of men focusing on discipleship, spiritual leadership, Christian brotherhood. He, uh, he has a burning desire to see the believer live a Christ-centered life built on solid foundations of knowing and loving God, and that desire is the overarching theme of his teaching ministry. How appropriate, how appropriately did our music ministry set him up, amen? He's a graduate of Lawrence Technological University in Southfield, Michigan, where he earned his Bachelor of Science degree in mechanical engineering. He can fix some things too, amen? An honor graduate of the Word of Faith Christian Center Bible Training Center as well. The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, teachers, and pastors for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So linked up, church, would you put your hands together, glorify God, and let's welcome Pastor Tom Garrett. Praise the Lord. Thank you, my sister. Bless you. Thank you, Pastor Trish. Come on, somebody shout to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. It's great to see you. Great to be here this morning. And uh, we're so honored to uh, just be here in Atlanta. Atlanta is, of course, a special place for my wife, Steph, and I. It's, uh, it's just a place where God uh, has, uh, did so much in our lives and, and uh, launched us and, and uh, be a part of the team, as Pastor Trish mentioned uh, there at uh, Faith Christian Center some years ago, and, uh, and then on from there to our Simon in Tampa. And so this is a special place for us. It's a place that uh, uh, it just is a, a really fulfilling every time we come back, even to visit, but particularly to come and to share God's Word uh, is something really special. It's beyond what I could really describe, and, and of course, to see so many faces. You all may be seated. Thank you all for uh, just receiving us, and we just want to uh, appreciate what God is doing here. Uh, in 1998, I made an intelligent choice uh, to marry this beautiful woman right here, yeah. Stephanie Gay. Would you stand for a minute and just help people appreciate you? Thank you so much for being a blessing to my life. This year, we'll be celebrating 19 years. Uh, uh, next month, actually, on the 15th. And so, so God has been good, and time has really flown by, and so, uh, so glad that she's able to be with me on today, and uh, we just want to take together, and I know I'm speaking for my wife to say how much we appreciate your pastors and how much just respect and uh, admiration we have for them. Would you all help me appreciate your pastors and give them a big hand? Come on, come on, let's really give it up. Pastor Joel, Pastor Trish, we appreciate you all. In, in brotherly affection, I call him G.G. I appreciate you out there in Arizona. I know you're being a blessing, Pastor Trish. Thank you all so much for allowing us to be a part of what you all are doing here. And uh, of course, uh, couldn't have been in better hands than in the hands of uh, ministers Johnny and Diana Walker. We just appreciate you all so much. And thank you for uh, taking um, 
just special care of us. Great to see all the familiar faces. And so uh, with that, I don't want to delay any further. I really want to get right into what God, I believe, has for us to share uh, with you on this morning. And of course, uh, when you have an opportunity uh, to share in a congregation that you don't uh, share with every week, you always ask the Lord as you do every week, you know, what is it that you want me to say uh, to your people? And so, of course, I prayed and meditated, thought about it, chewed over some things, of course, had an opportunity to conversate with Pastor Gregory for a little bit. And, and, and I, I sent some things that's been in my heart and some things that just had an opportunity to, to chop it up with your pastor about a little bit to really believe that what I'm sharing will be just dovetail right into what God is already doing here. And so with that, I want to ask you a question. How, how many of you all are going forward with the vision? Yeah. Okay. Amen. And let me, let me ask it this way, Linked Up Church. How many of you all are living the good life? Huh? Who, who was here last week? Y'all know what the good life is and and so I, I really believe that this message will dovetail and connect right into that. Uh, this morning, uh, for the sake of a title, if you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down. And the, this, this message is in the form of a question this morning. And the question is, what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? And if we were subtitling this, I would subtitle it, The Power of Divine Strategy. The Power of Divine Strategy. And I know there's a great work as with all of our churches, all the Impact Sister churches, and, and uh, as with many churches in this city, but, but particularly in this church, just from, from, from what I know and uh, have a privy to, 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 to know that uh, there's a great work that God has called you all to do. Amen? Amen. And, um, and part of that work means being free economically, praise God, Amen. so that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus in this city, in this region, and beyond that. And, uh, and so I want to uh, talk today with you from 2 Kings chapter 4. And again, the title was, What Do You Have in the House? And this is about the power of divine strategy. Now, I know in a church like this, uh, first of all, it's a great luxury, honestly, to preach in a church like this because you all are taught so well. And so uh, there, it, just, it just makes it easy uh, to share. And I know many of you are familiar with this particular passage but how many know if you come open and just open with some heart and mind to receive everything that God has, you'll always hear something new. Come on, God's Word is always pregnant with revelation. And if we'll open to receive it, God will slip something in there that we have never seen before. So with that, let's just go before Him in prayer. Father, thank You for the anointing upon Your Word, Lord God. Open the eyes of our heart and enable us to see what we have never seen before, Lord God. May You increase and may You be magnified. We give you all of the glory in advance for everything that you'll do through these services and all the fruit that shall come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to be reading down from about verses 1 through 7. And I want to read through the passage, and then we're going to come back and sort of walk through these verses and deal with this question, what do you have in the house? And of course, if you're familiar with that passage, uh, most of us, we look at that as uh, the story of, in fact, some of your Bibles might say, uh, the widow's oil. And when we look at that, it looks like, of course, we, we identify it as a, as a story of miraculous provision. And of course, it is a story of miraculous provision. But as I meditated and reflected over that, and as I thought about what God wanted me to share here, 
that it's not only a, a story of miraculous provision, it is a story of divine strategy and how important it is to be dialed up and, and hooked up with the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, uh, the end result of that is like that worship song just said that God would be glorified. I tell you, we really could have stayed that right there the whole time. So 2 Kings 4 and verse 1, let's begin reading. You can follow along. And I'm reading, for the most part, out of the New King James Bible. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, well, your maid servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. And then she said, he said, well, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour it into all of those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass that when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And so the oil stayed. And here's what's amazing. And then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debt. But here's, what, here's what's amazing to me. And then you and your sons, don't just pay the debt, pay the debt and then live off of the rest of it. And, and, and so what happened, and this woman had a serious problem. She was in a hard place. But in her connection with Elisha, and how many of y'all know Elisha was a prophet? And of course, in that time, particular in the Old Testament model of the prophet, they stood as it were, between God and man. And they spoke to man on behalf of God. So you could say that this was the voice of God in her life. And so when she engaged with the voice of God, she came with the problem. And if you'll notice, as we're going to see, God turned around and asked her a question, what do you have in the house? Because what he was telling her is that your solution to your financial problem and the catalyst to your breakthrough, you're already sitting on it. In other words, what you need to see economic breakthrough is not out there. It's in here. And literally, I believe literally in the context, he was asking her, what do you have in the physical H-O-U-S-E? But I believe it speaks to us figuratively today that not only what do you have in the physical house, but what do you have on the inside? What do you have on the inside of you? What ideas, what creativity, what intellectual property, what inventions, what things have you been sitting on that you already have that can create and be a catalyst to economic breakthrough in your life? Because folks, Linked Up Church got some stuff to do. And you don't just need a breakthrough, you need a flow (laughs) so that you can continue to do as a church what God has called you all to do here. So let's walk through these verses and beginning at verse 1. And, and just as, a, as an opening statement, as I, I reflected on this, this thought came to me that uh, it just really, it's really thought-provoking. I want you to think about this. The, the wealthiest people in the world are not necessarily those that are the most spiritual. 
Hmm? Oh, the, the wealthiest people in the world are not those that pray in tongues the most. Now, some of them are, and there are wealthy people that are very Christ-centered spiritual. But as a whole, the wealthiest people are not necessarily the most spiritual. Which tells us that wealth is not simply a matter of Christ-centered spirituality. Wealth is a factor of understanding. And so really the wealthiest people in the world are not necessarily the most spiritual. They're the ones with the most understanding about what creates wealth. And so a lot of times we're looking for something shazam, a miracle, something to come out of the blue. And I believe God does it all day long, 24-7 all over the world. He's a miracle working God. Come on, shout amen, somebody. But he's also a God of divine strategy. And I believe where he wants to take us to is to be intentional about connecting with him so that we can be intentional about wealth creation so that God's work can be done in the earth. And that's really the theme and the heartbeat of this message today. Let's begin at verse 1 and walk through this again. You have a certain woman who was a wife of the prophet. And of course, uh, he died. And, and, and she, she goes on to tell him he's a, he was a good man. And now my sons are coming to become slaves. Because at that time, uh, when you had a debt, if you couldn't pay it, you had to pay with your family. You had to pay with your sons or your, or your family, and they had to go into slavery or forced servitude. And so that's what's getting ready to happen here. And let me just say it. I don't know. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the husband in me, the father in me, the, the pastor in me, but I, I, I can hardly ever read this verse in front of a group of people and say, that's why men, we, we need to have an insurance policy on our lives. Every man, especially head of a household, needs to have a health, um, have a life insurance policy. Amen. And all the brothers said, amen. 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 And a lot of times we don't like to talk about that kind of thing, but that's not being morbid, negative. That's just be taking care of business. Uh, and unless you're at a place where you can be self-insured, where you got enough assets to take care of you in case you went home to be with the Lord, then you need to have something so that we not only love our wife and our family in life, we love them even after our lives. Amen. And so that's just a nugget of wisdom that I, I believe we all should operate in or even ahead of a household. All right, let's come on down to verse number two. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, I have nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Now, in this message for just a few moments, I just want to share this with you. I want to talk about five keys to attracting wealth. Five keys to attracting wealth. In other words, these are five things that we need to understand that causes wealth to be created. And here's key number one. Number one, you must understand the importance of recognizing value. You must understand the importance of recognizing value. Now, what do we mean by that? She comes to him, or essentially she comes to the Lord and says, uh, help me, we're in trouble. God, through the prophet, says, you tell me, what do you have in the house? Now, what's happening is Elisha is trying to get her to change how she thinks. She thinks she needs something from the outside. 
And God is telling her, you've already got something on the inside. What do you have in the house? In other words, he's trying to help her recognize that there is something that you have that is of value to other people. So listen, if we're going to become people who have the resources as a church, not only this church, but the church as a whole, that has the resources to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our cities, then we're going to have to understand how to recognize value. How many have ever heard this? The wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. And, and we know all the scripture. That is true from Genesis to Revelation in this church. We don't even have time or it's not even necessary to tell us how many scriptures there are about how God wants us blessed. We don't even need to do that. But what we need to understand is that it doesn't just come from God saying Shazam and things show up. <laughs> One of the ways that wealth is transferred is through the vehicle of business and commerce. And you don't have to have an MBA from Harvard to be a businessman and a businesswoman. You just need to recognize that you have something of value that can be a catalyst for God to create an income stream in your life. And so God wants us to think of those that are not just waiting on something to receive, but we got something to give. Amen. So he says, what do you have in the house? So he's trying to help her to recognize value. You see, the first thing that she said in response to that is that, Elisha, I don't have anything except a jar of oil. And here's what we need to understand is when you don't recognize what you have, you tend to magnify what you don't have. Now, notice her response. He says, he didn't ask, what don't you have in the house? He didn't ask, what don't you have? He said, what do you have? But because she was so conscious of lack, the first thing she says, I don't have anything. And when we don't recognize what we have as valuable, we tend to magnify what we don't have. But what Elisha's trying to get her to see is that you have something. Elbow your neighbor on either side of you. Tell him you have something. Come on, tell somebody else you have something. Yeah, you have something. You have something of value in your life right now that God can use as a catalyst for breakthrough in your life. Write this thought down or just catch this thought. What you do not have is not nearly as important as what you do have. Because God is not trying to work with what you don't have. He's trying to work with what you do have. Amen. 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 So the question we need to be asking, God, what do I have right now? Amen. Your uh, pastor talked about, of course, uh, the good life. How many know the good life is the get-out-of-debt life? Man, and one of the catalysts to that is recognizing I've got something of value that God can use. All right? So what you don't have is not nearly as important as what you do have because God is not trying to work with what you don't have. He's trying to work with what you do have. Come on, let's go down to the next verse. The next verse says in number verse number three. He says, then he said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere. From all of your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. Somebody say, don't gather just a few. 
And here's key number two. Key number two, you must understand the power of a plan. You must understand the power of a plan. So what attracts wealth? Number one, value attracts wealth. Wealth is attracted to value. So we need to recognize we've got something of value. Say, I've got something of value. Number two, wealth is attracted to a plan. And so here's what he says. He says, I want you to go and borrow vessels from all of your neighbors and borrow not a few. What is a plan? A plan is a set of actions that have been thought of as a way to do or to achieve something. A plan is a set of actions that have been thought of as a way to do or to achieve something. And so here's what he said. I'm going to help you to get out of debt, but it's going to be because you've got a plan. And in this plan, he says, I want you to go and borrow vessels. I want you to go and borrow empty vessels. Why? Because the Lord is a miracle worker. How many know that? He's a mighty healer, mighty miracle worker. But you know what? He's more of a planner than he even is a miracle worker. In one sense. He's a healer. But you know what? In one sense, he's more of a planner than a healer. You say, explain yourself, Pastor Tom. The Bible says this about God in Revelation 13. It says, worthy is the lamb that was slain when? Before the foundation of the world. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, talking to the the young prophet, he he says, before I formed you in the mother's womb, I knew you. And before you came forth, I established you as a prophet unto the nations. God is a planner. When your body gets cut, all of a sudden your cells go into action. And the blood begins to coagulate and and your body begins to repair itself. Why? Because there's intelligence on the inside. God has been planning and a thinker. He's a strateger. He's a strategizer. Come on. So here's what you need to understand. Everything that you will touch today has been a plan and a thought and an intentional design. From the chair you're sitting on, to the glasses on your face, to the contact lenses in your eyes, watch this, to the hair coloring. Come on, ladies. Come on, order order hair coloring. Come on, brothers. All of that has been intentional. There is nothing you will touch today that has not been designed and thought about. So now think about it. Everything you will set your hands on and see has been thought about in advance. So if there is that much thinking in creation, if there is that much thinking in everything, if there's that much intentional strategy, why would there not be intentional strategy for you coming out of debt? See, God is way more strategic than we think then we often give him credit for. And I believe God wants us to recognize him, yes, as the miracle-working God. Yes, as the instantaneous. Yes, as the suddenly God. I know we love that. I believe that. But he's also the strategic God. And through this, he says, I want you to go and I want you to borrow vessels. Now, this is so important because if you don't understand how strategic God is, oftentimes you will be looking for a miracle from God when you should be looking for a plan from God. Amen. Now, and here's what's interesting. When we come down to the next verse, uh, or, or to this verse, 
She says, all I have is a jar of oil. And he said, go and borrow vessels, borrow not a few. This is amazing because the way it reads and just the way it hit me as I've reflected over this uh, is that as soon as she said, all I have is a jar of oil, the way it reads is as if he immediately said, well, go, go and borrow vessels, don't borrow a few. It reads to me as if there was no hesitation between what she said and what his plan was. Now, that that speaks something to me. And that says that no matter what you come up with, that you have, God has a strategy to use it to create something of, of increase in your life. Why? Because God is an unlimited creative God. We are talking about a God who has unlimited creativity. And you just need to be confident in the Holy Spirit that he's on the inside of you. And that no matter what you have, he can turn it into a catalyst to economic breakthrough. I mean, it's almost as if it didn't matter what she said. He would have turned around and said, well, then go and do this. I believe if she had said, prophet, Man of God, your maidservant has nothing but a needle and a thread. I believe he would have said, well, then go and do thus and so. Because here's the the point. Many times we think we don't have anything of value. I'm telling you, if you walk away with nothing else today, walk away with this. I have something of value that God can use to become an economic stream in my life. Praise God. Praise God. Because he's an unlimited God. And when you're an unlimited God, man, you can practically create wealth out of thin air. Everybody in here is one idea away from an absolute ridiculous, radical economic breakthrough. One idea away. Praise God. I mean, who's ever heard of uh, uh, Uber? Okay. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to tell on myself, I prob- we probably broke about 15 rules of ministry protocol and everything else. But, but, but y'all love me, don't you? Yeah. So yesterday we were, we were at the hotel and like I said, couldn't have been in better hands and just had a craving for some fruit all of a sudden. Well, you know, we thought, well, man, how are we going to get some fruit? So, you know, of course, you know, we could have called our the valet team and had them come over and all that, but... You know, we're just the kind, we're easy, man. We, we, we're not trying to go through all that trouble just to go get some fruit. So you know what we did? We Ubered. Mm-hmm. Went down to the lobby and found the closest uh, grocery store. Ubered, they came over, picked us up, got our fruit, came on back, and had a great evening. Now, here's the point. Last year, Uber's earnings was $6.8 billion. $6.8, how much? $6.8 billion. That's with a B, you all. Travis Kalanick and Garrett Camp are the founders of it. Last year, Travis Kalanick, if I'm pronouncing his name correct. By the way, 570 cities, 12,000 employees, and revenue last year, $6.5 billion. Travis is 40 years old. His net worth is $6.3 billion. Garrett Camp's net worth is $6.9 billion. Oh, by the way, he's 38. 
Now watch this. Here's what's deep. Everybody say, this is deep. Just based on what you know, and I know I'm not that technically savvy deep in that area, and you don't have to know this, but just act, follow me. Answer some questions. Do you think either of these guys created the computer? Hmm? Do you think any of them invented the internet? Do you think any of them invented the concept of apps for your phone? Nope. Do you think any of them uh, uh, invented websites? Do you think any of them created GPS? Do you think any of them invented the automobile? Of course not. Did they create anything that is necessary really to make Uber function in terms of material? No. All they did was took an idea and created a structure and a network for all of those things to come together to serve the needs of people in our nation. And literally, they created wealth out of thin air. Literally, that's what happened. Now, why can't that happen with you? When you serve an unlimited God who's able to do exceeding abundantly, come on, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Yes, why? Because he's an unlimited God. Come on, let's go down to verse number three. Second Kings 4, 3, go and borrow vessels, not a few. Now, notice what he said. He said, don't borrow a few. Everyone say, don't borrow a few. Now, we know when he's talking about borrow here in the context, he's not talking about creating indebtedness. Amen. Come on, this is not talking about consumer debt, credit card debt, house debt. He's really talking about this. And here's your, here's your next thing you want to jot this down. You must understand the principle of capacity. What is capacity? Capacity is the ability to carry or handle something. And here's what he was saying. If you want to attract wealth, you're going to have to increase your capacity. The empty vessels represented capacity. Why? Because God wanted to take, this is not going to blow the story, you already know the story. God is going to take the oil and do what? Multiply. But if she's only got one jar, she doesn't have the capacity for increase. So when Elisha's telling her to borrow vessels, he's not talking about creating indebtedness. He's saying you're going to have to increase your capacity. You're going to have to increase your ability to handle more. See, all, we want to be wealthy, but, do you, but you understand you have to increase your capacity. You have to increase what you can carry. You have to increase what you can hold. And so when he told her, don't borrow a few, borrow all the vessels you can. Why? Because the greater your capacity is, the more God can multiply what he's given you. He can only increase you to your capacity to handle more. So what does that mean practically? For some of us, that means we're going to have to go back to school. For some of us, we're going to have to get some knowledge and get some understanding. That's why Proverbs is full of this. Get wisdom, get knowledge, and get understanding. And all of your getting, get what? Understanding. Why? Because in order to carry more, you're going to have to be able to handle more. You're going to have to be able to carry more. For some, that means getting some more understanding, getting with mentors, getting with people who can uh, mentor us and help increase our capacity. For some of us, that means we're going to have to do some reading. Huh? Come on, and some studying to increase our capacity. God will only increase your flow, your, you to the level of your capacity to contain it. Now, not only this, we have to have the boldness to follow God's instructions. 
Because when he tells her to borrow vessels from all of her neighbors, let me tell you something. It's not only requiring capacity, it's going to require some audacity. It requires audacity for you to create wealth. You got to have some boldness about you. You, you, gotta, you can't be shy and timid. Go and borrow vessels from your neighbors. How many of your neighbors? All of them. That means the ones you know well and the ones you don't know that well. That means he's telling her to go to those that she's in good graces with and maybe those she hadn't spoken to in a few years. In other words, what this is about, let me bring it to what the context is. In order to increase your capacity, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable. What most of us say is, Lord, bless me, bless me indeed, bless me really good. Make me the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, blessed in the basket, best in the store, blessed in my body, blessed in everything, but just don't take me out of this comfort zone right here. Just bless me as long as I can stay right inside of this comfort zone right here. Bless me really good. And that doesn't work that way. Amen. It requires some audacity because she's going to, because you know, when she goes to borrow the vessels, those that are closest to her, you know, if it's a guy, he's going to say, hey, man, listen, um, I need to borrow some jars, empty jars. And if it's your boy, guy real close to you, good friend, he's going to say, what do you need, man? Jars. How many of you got? 15, 20? Man, this is your house too, man. Go and get whatever you want. You know, lock up when you leave, man. Just take everything. How many know that's a blessing? Come on, you got friends that'll do that? That's a real friend. You're rich if you have people in your life that say, man, whatever you need, you can have. Just lock up when you leave. If you got one friend like that, you're wealthy. If you got two like that, you're a relational billionaire. Man, because we can have many types of associations, but that level of friendship, uh, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not common to have that many people like that. But here's the question. What is she going to do after she talks to about two or three people like that? Now she's got to go to people she doesn't know so well. And now that's where comes the intimidation factor. Are you going to step out and do what God told you to do? Maybe with people who aren't close to you don't really understand it. Amen. And see, these are all the things that's connected with wealth. It's not just Shazam because I'm a Christian, I got the t-shirt, I'm in the club. There's a mentality that has to go with it. There's a thinking that has to go with it. Because in order to handle that, we have to be thinking at a certain level. <laughs> and so I can imagine, she comes to about the fifth house, and this is a lady, she says, girl, I need to borrow some vessels. Well, how many you got? Uh, I just, I got about 20, 25 vessels in there. Girl, how many do you need? You need vessels? For what? Now, now they're going to ask. <laughs> and you know if you tell her what she's going to do with those vessels, what's she going to think? You're crazy. So intimidation will try to rise up. Well, how many do you need? I got 25. How many do you need? Oh, just, just give me two or three. See, you're not ready. If, you, if she's got 25 and you only ask for two or three, you're not ready. Because you got to ask for all of them. 
In other words, you got to step out there, even if it makes you look a little foolish. All of that is a part of how you have to increase your capacity to handle more. Sometimes we're so concerned about what people think about us that we can't obey God and be, have the capacity for more. Amen? So you have to have audacity. Verses 4 through 6. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour out all the, into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her sons, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil stayed or ceased. And here's the fourth key. The fourth key, you must understand the importance of multiplication. God didn't just want to bless her and be fruitful. He wanted her to multiply. And so we have to create structure in our lives that not only allow there to be increase, but as we listen to the Holy Spirit and listen to strategy, we have to create structures that allow there to be multiplication, which means now we've got to get some order and some systems in our life. Now, you and the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you what that is. But here's what I want you to just appreciate. God is a God of multiplication. He doesn't want to just bless you and make you fruitful. He wants you to multiply. And part of that means increasing my thinking. And not, I don't want just a one-time blessing. I want to flow. There's a restaurant in the Tampa area that has just absolutely delicious food. Um, really tasty. But here, here's, the, here's the one thing. Don't go there if you're on your lunch break. <laughs> Don't go there if you have a time restriction because they are slower than molasses in Detroit in January. <laughs> Somebody say, that's really slow. That's really slow. Delicious food, but slow. So when you go in there, and you know, you ever, be, you ever be at a restaurant where it's, it's super crowded, really busy, and, and the line is out the door, but the food is so good that you go anyway. And it's crowded, and you know it, but when you're there, the employees, the staff, the manager, everybody's hustling. You can see the hustle, right? It's like, Okay, we'll be right with you. All right, just stay right there. Food should be out in about five minutes. You see them hustling. They're moving. Everybody's got energy. And how do you feel when you see that? You feel, oh, man, I know it's a long line, but man, they're, they're looking out for me. I can, I can see they're hustling. And what happens? It increases your patience because you know they care about you. It's not that way at this restaurant. <laughs> it's not like that. Th this restaurant... When, when you go, they just slow, walk by you, look right at you, just walk right by you. No hustle, no look of concern, man, that I know this has taken, none of that, just walk right by you. And there's nobody else in the store. So here's my point, because I to wrap this up. They're fruitful. Because they created food that people like, and the fact that they're still here after, I don't know, it's probably been 15 years or so, 
that I know of, probably better than that. We haven't been there quite that long, but it's been a while, I'm sure, before we got there. They're fruitful. They create food that's good, and they're in business, but they can never multiply because they're thinking. They don't have structure. They don't have an attitude and a disposition that says, I'm not just satisfied with paying the bills of the business. They're not ready to be at another level where now they can multiply. That's a different mentality. See, for too long, the church has just been wanting a fruit and wanting a blessing. But God is trying to take us to where we can be in a position of multiplying. So that now we can be... There, folks, the only way this church will be in any church in a position where you don't need banks is the people of the church have to be in a position where they're not just fruitful, they are multiplying. That restaurant was fruitful, Chick-fil-A is multiplied. Why? Because they've got systems. So we must understand the principle of multiplication. Let me wrap this up. Key number five, you must understand and respect the art of selling. You must understand and respect the art of selling. Now, let me, let me explain that and, and open that up. Verse 7, he says this, Go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Selling is simply this. It's the act of serving others by making a good, a product, or a service, or a skill available to those who need and desire and benefit from it. You don't necessarily have to be in sales. I'm not talking about you selling, uh, hawking things out of your car and, you know, in your trunk, open up the trunk, selling stuff. I'm not talking about being in something where there's, a, there, in fact, there's a, there's a, there's an in, there is an intrinsic dignity in selling because selling is about serving others. Now, I'm a pastor. Vocationally, we're in full-time ministry. But guess what? All of us are in one sense in sales. By that I mean we have the business of serving a need, a product, a service, a skill, or something to others. Selling is not about buy this from me. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about meeting the needs of others. And understanding that every one of you, no matter where you are, if you are in the home and not out in the marketplace, you are still need to understand, you still need to understand the art and the skill of selling. Because selling is about communicating and showing value and giving value to others and recognizing what they need and the art and science of bringing that to them. Folks, that is one of the key ways to how wealth is going to be transferred in this hour. The greatest things that are going to happen in the church, I believe, will not happen inside the four walls. I believe it's going to happen outside of the four walls by people who understand uh, the power of divine strategy. Did you all get anything out of the Word of God this morning? Praise God. I just want to invite you for just a moment to bow your heads with me and let's just take a moment to go before the Lord in prayer. You know, the song that we said earlier, we sang, was inviting God to fill our hearts and fill our lives so that he would be glorified, so that he would be lifted up. Folks, that's the purpose of our lives. Today we talked about 
divine strategy relates to economic breakthrough, getting out of debt, creating wealth. But friends, none of that means anything if it's not connected to this one thing. And that is God being glorified through our lives. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, his son, whom you have sent. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed in prayer. I want to invite you into several invitations. Number one, you say, Pastor Tom, I, I'm a person who I believe in God, believe about God. I believe in the person of Jesus Christ, but my question today is, what have you done with the Son of God. Today, if you recognize your need, that not only is He the Son of God, but He's also Lord. And today, if you sense your need, settle your account with Jesus Christ and receive Him as Lord and King, shot caller in your life, I want to invite you into that prayer today. And His heads are bowed and eyes are closed in prayer. If you say, you know what? I'm not sure where I stand with the Lord. I think at times I'm, I'm right with God, I'm saved. Other times you're not sure. And if you're not sure, then today you can leave with certainty. And so I want to invite you to, to, to pray as well in just a moment. I want to invite you to be assured of your salvation. Number three, if you say, you know what? I know that I'm a believer. I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I know I'm in the family of God. But lately I know I've not been where I should be with the Lord. I'm not walking close with Him. You may have even heard a term called backslidden. It just simply means that, that you haven't just continued to walk with the Lord. As He's walking, you may have stopped. But in the heart today you sense, man, I need a refresher and renewal. Can I be right with God again? Absolutely. Bible says that if we'll come to him and just recognize, Lord, I need your grace, I need forgiveness, change me, renew me, help me. The Bible says that he'll remove our sin as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our sins from us. He'll do that today. Others of you may say, you know what? I'm a believer, but it seems like my life has lacked power. Well, I would just ask you a question. Have you received all of the fullness of God's Holy Spirit? If you're born again, His Holy Spirit made you brand new. But there's also a an filling and an empowering with His Holy Spirit. And if today you say, man, that's what I'm missing, being filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll know that by conviction right there. And we want to invite you in to learn more about how to receive and drink deeper from the Holy Spirit today. And then finally, if you don't have a church home where you're connected and committed and a part of a local assembly, then I, I just want to encourage you, listen, you have a great set of pastors here. Pastor Joel and Pastor Tricia are outstanding leaders in the body of Christ. And the team that they have around them will be a wonderful leadership team, and this will be a great church family for you. And so we want to invite you to come and learn more about what it means to be a part of Linked Up Church. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed in prayer, if anyone or more of those invitations meet your need, would you just lift your hand? That will help me to know, to pray with, 
or for you today. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Appreciate that hand. Anyone else says, Pastor Tom, would you, would you pray with me? Can I be in on this prayer? God is dealing with my heart, and I, I want to be in on what God is doing. I want to respond to him. That's you today. Just lift your hand. Maybe you are like me. Well, over 20, 23 years ago, you know, it, for me, it, it wasn't a dramatic thing. It wasn't like I had a dramatic, hard life. Had a good life as a child, as I understood it. But yet one day in a service that I came to, just like this, a young minister came up and gave an invitation. And in my heart, I just sensed, man, I'm not right with God. I need to be right with the Lord. I'm not saved. And I simply responded, lifted my hand, and made the greatest decision I've ever made. So as I look across one more time, that's you. Just go ahead and lift your hand and, and we'll be praying with you in just a moment. Praise God. All right, so you may everyone lift your head and open your eyes and uh, at this time, do they bring them out or do they? Okay, all right. So let me ask you this. Let's everyone stand to our feet. If you lifted your hand or if you didn't, but you said, you know what? Man, I wanted to be in on that. Let me invite you, just step out of the nearest aisle. If you just come right in this direction, we want to leave.